Well, it was yet another wet, wet, uh, wet weather masterclass from Max Verstappen, and evidently he can talk better than I can talk today. Welcome back to episode 313 of Grid Talk, where today, I definitely didn't just have to double check that, uh, where here today we are going to be discussing qualifying for the upcoming 2023 Belgian Grand Prix. My name is Tom Downey, and joining me, we have Philip Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. We have Jawad from the Hit the Apex podcast. Hey, everybody. I was just going to go, hi, Dr. Nick, then. Um, and then finally, we have Aaron from AHGP. How are you doing, guys? Very well, sir. Thank you. Just before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. So, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting from your casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAVE, that is B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, if you do enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're one of the 72 pe- 72% of people who are not yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. Final bit of housekeeping, please be sure to follow us on our brand new social channels at Gridsalk UK to stay up to date with the with the show. So now that all the admin's out the way, Let's have a look at qualifying for the Belgian Grand Prix. So the FIA, obviously, in all their infinite wisdom, they said, let's put a spa before the summer break because it won't rain as much. And then it had, uh, I thought at one stage, we're going to have a monsoon, especially when the cars were going out in, I was going to say FP1, it means I'll just call it FP because we just had the one practice session. But um, Phil, you are obviously the resident American on this panellist, so you get your, you get your, country's national team to talk about uh and i'm looking forward to this one already so has they qualified a stunning p20 and p13 with kmag being p13 who is also under investigation for impeding leclerc and nico hulkenberg with his ken hairdo finished on dead last do you think they've got any hope in the i was gonna say tomorrow in the race on sunday I mean, they're hoping for it to be dry uh, because they don't really have anything in the wet conditions. I mean, K-Mag looked okay, minus the impeding part. But um, hopefully for Hulkenberg, his hydraulic issues can be fixed between now and uh, uh, tomorrow and Sunday. But, I mean, in terms of getting points, no. Um, In terms of them finishing a race, uh, they're already ahead of Alpine. Um, but other than that, I'm not sure. Um, there was a couple teams that I was surprised about their performance today, um, but Haas was not one of them. Uh, it's unfortunate. You know, you're going into yet another summer break where the Haas looks like a rudderless ship and they continue to be. Uh, I, one On one side, they're saying they're going to keep K-Mag maybe and keep the same driver lineup. On the other side, maybe they're going to look at somebody else, but really, does it matter who you put in those cars? Uh, really, um, 
I mean, Teo Pocher is not going to make those cars look like for, well, I can't even say Ferraris because those things are questionable at times too, except today, but anytime there's a sprint race, but um, yeah, I don't, not a lot of hope. We'll see what the weather brings to the table though, for the rest of the weekend uh, for those two guys. Yeah, I think they're going to be hoping for, for a miracle somewhat, um, but uh, looking a little bit further up the grid. Now, Jared, we're going to talk about Alpha Tauri quickly. Um, Daniel, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, P19, Yuki, P11. Now, before any Nick DeVries fans go, see, I told you so, Danny Rick was actually P6 in Q1, but then had a lot of time deleted because he went fully over the curbs at uh, uh, at the top of Radion. Um, or was it a Rouge? Uh, let's not start that. Um now, so uh, bearing in mind the sort of relative, uh, I suppose you could say relative pace that, that the car had, do you think Danny Rick can work his way past you know, the, the likes of sort of Sargent, Joe Guan Yu, et cetera, tomorrow to maybe sort of get into the upper echelon of the back half of the grid? You'd hope so, certainly. And it's a circuit that Dan does have, you know, good fond memories of when you go back to his uh, race win here in 2014 when the uh, Mercedes decided to go into civil war again for the how many times that season. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was a shame that, you know, he did get that lap time deleted, but, you know, rules are rules. And like you said, you know, it, you know, it it's not a moment for, for Nick DeVries fans to be like, oh, you know, it's it's a problem with the car. Yes, there's a problem with the car, but um, there was performance to be, had today or there was you know positions to be had today i thought both cars could have easily got out of q1 in those sort of conditions but you know ultimately it was just the the one car and sonoda took advantage and yeah he even briefly topped the timesheets at one point i think in q2 and i was like oh here we go um q3 on here for for yuki but then the the track started ramping up and the the quicker times started coming in but yeah to only miss out narrowly on q3 a good little effort so you know let's see how they uh fare on sunday and you know dan if he's really got his mojo back um let's see some overtaking from the honey badger yeah, it'd be nice to see some uh, some sort of trademark like uh, late lunges of, uh, of 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 Danny Rick tomorrow. No, not tomorrow, Sunday. Well, and tomorrow, but tomorrow spring, and that's a whole different minefield. Um, speaking of minefields, uh, Williams, uh, Aaron. So uh, Lo- uh, Logan Sargent, or as I officially called him, Logie Bear, um, qualified P eighteen. Obviously, had a, had a bit of an off in in practice. He didn't get a chance to get that much running in 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 Q1 because his engineers were changing his gearbox. But you know, heroic effort from Williams to get him back out. Um, and you know, it's, you know, it was it was a bit of a tough day at the office for them. So, Logan Sargent P18, um, whereas Alban Alban is P16. That's right. He he missed out by oh, got about seven tenths actually into Q2. Given the sort of characteristics of this track and how we saw it benefits those who you know the cars who who are better at sort of like low downforce setups do you think well certainly the likes of Albon do you think he can move forward tomorrow and maybe local sergeant yeah I was surprised at the Williams result in qualifying because you'd think given the, the way the car has behaved over the early part of this season 
this would have been a really strong track for them. But I think that they just struggled. Either, either they've got such skinny downforce on, they just couldn't generate the grip and tire temperature in the wet. And uh, we'll see how they pan out, how it pans out tomorrow if uh, the sprint qualifying is dry, but it's spa. It can rain at any given moment. Um, but yeah, on Sunday, if they've got that straight line speed, they could still come through. And especially in the hands of Albon, we've seen them pull off some some wild tyre strategies in the past. Just think back to Australia last year where he ran 57 laps on a set of hards. And let's be honest, Spa is a circuit where safety cars do happen, even though there's ample runoff area. But that's because of the high speed. So let's wait and see. I think they'll be disappointed with today, but optimistic about their chances on Sunday. And if Alex can go forward, Logan can go forward. But I think Logan's confidence would have been dented by that that off in practice. Definitely. You know, and I think maybe it's one of those weekends where only having one practice session for Logan Sargent might might not do him any favours. But we will see. So... Phil, just 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 sort of going back back around the room. Uh, next up, we have Alfa Romeo. So Zhou Guan Yu, P17, Valtteri Bottas, P14. I mean, it's not quite the qualifying they had last weekend in Hungary, but it's not as woeful and diabolical as the rest of their season has been. So the notes I've written down for them are better, but still bad. Um, do you want to perhaps expand on that a bit? I mean, at least their car is more flashy because they have a uh, highlighter green on it this week. Um, outside of that, I mean, I thought for a while that Botas was showing his skill in the wet. He had some fast times he was putting in through all the, the first two sessions. Joe, of course, not having as much experience in F1 on the in the wet probably didn't help him as much be falling out in Q1. I thought that Botas might have been able to get into Q3, but that track evolution really got him to. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, over the rest of the weekend, but if it's a case of do I think they're going to score uh, points, I mean, if the weather is mixed like it was today, who knows, but on uh, dry conditions, it's going to be very difficult for Alpha Sauber to do anything this weekend uh i think the positioning also uh would if they had qualified a little better but considering where they've been recently outside of hungary uh this is kind of par for the course for them yeah and i suppose we, we can just give it the old inserts waiting for for how would you take over comment here um jowards alpine Oh, my word, where do we begin? So, first of all, just before I let you loose, um, we, uh, as most, well, you know, anybody listening to this or watching this uh, will be aware, uh, Otmar Safanara is leaving. Um, I suspect he's being pushed, but that's just my own pure speculation. And Alan Pemain, uh, uh, who's been there for 34 years, all the way back when the team was Benetton, um, and has come out with some rather now famous radio message, including telling Giancarlo to politely move over. Um, they are both leaving. Alan Pemain after 34 years and Otmar after 18 months. Um, this is after they've just had a mass exodus. So 
Yeah, another double DNF for Alpine, and we haven't even started racing yet. Um, I mean, what's going on, Jared? <laughs> well, that's a good headline for you to use there. Another DNF, double DNF, and we haven't gone racing. And it was actually Kimi Raikkonen that uh, we remember that Alan Penn main radio comment um, from back in 2013. It's... It's pretty horrible what's going on there. And again, both of the cars knocked out in Q2. They just seem like they've regressed or not even. They just can't keep up with the progress of the top teams. You know, as we've seen in recent races, McLaren have brought upgrades and they've moved forward and almost doubled their points tally. Um, you know, compared to Alpine, and you know, they're not going to be anywhere near fifth in the constructors championship now and you know a few of us on the panel today have talked in during the week about the prospect of mclaren even challenging the likes of aston martin and ferrari for further up in the points and that's realistically where alpine should be given the fact that they're a manufacturer team i hope no one's forgotten the fact that they are indeed a oem and a manufacturer team but for whatever reason since the hybrid era turbo hybrid era started they've just they've not been able to get their power unit in order they've, they've had the well-documented split with red bull then they decide to come back as a as a works team in 2016 by taking uh back lotus or what was lotus in the early 2010s um and what you could pretty much you know summarize them as is a cesspool of political infighting because you look at names like, you know, Frederick Vasseur was was hired to head up Renault back in 2016, but he didn't even last the year, I believe, because he couldn't get along with Cyril Abitabald and Cyril was left in charge um, under the previous uh, Renault group management. There was Carlos Ghosn, who was the Renault CEO, who I don't know if everyone followed the news at the time, ended up going to prison because he tried to sneak out of Japan in a in a cargo plane or something like that over over some weird charges. And then yeah, looking at the rap, it's like a rap sheet looking at the last 18 months of who's um joined and left. You know, you had Marcin Bukowski who was headhunted from the FIA, and that was controversial at the time that, you know, they recruited someone from the FIA. There was, you know, what's the phrase, you know, um poacher turned gamekeeper, gamekeeper turned poacher. They got rid of Alan Prost, who was, you know, a long-time advisor to that team, well-respected, you know, four-time world champion, legend of the sport. Um, Otmar Safna arrived uh, with BWT, and, you know, BWT might not hang around that Otmar's not there because they follow him everywhere. Oscar Piastri, Fernando Alonso, and then... You know, the man who kind of disrespectfully um, shunned those two, Laurent Rossi, he got moved on only a couple of weeks ago, not long after he made that massive spray in Miami. Um, and then now we've got Safnauer, Alan Permain, and also Pat Fry, who earlier in the day we found out is moving over to Williams for uh, to be their chief technical officer. So, yeah. It's it's a mass exodus, but there's no there's no shining light. There's no um, okay. What's the plan moving forward? Because every time we hear about a plan from Alpine, it's oh we've got a five year plan, and then like. 
two years into the five-year plan, we've got another five-year plan and then another one. So to be a manufacturer team and to be where they are at the moment in F1, it is absolutely shocking. And, you know, hearing about the possibility of um, giving Alpine or Renault concessions on their engine too, like as if this is MotoGP that we need to let um, Renault play catch-up. They've had the better part of a decade now to catch up with their power unit. Honda did it. You know, Honda managed to work their way up after the dismal years that they had with McLaren and now are world beaters with Red Bull. So why can't Renault get it right? You know, there's a disconnect, it seems, with the the engine people at Viri, Chahion, and then Enstone. They've talked about Enstone potentially being as outdated as, as some of the Williams facilities, and there should be concessions for them to bring some of the infrastructure up to date. But, you know, again, it just comes down to the political infighting that, you know, no one seems to get along in a management, um, on the management level. And until they can actually get that, fixed they're not going anywhere um and you know from from as early as silverstone there was rumors circulating that you know mattia bernardo could be um the person to come in next at alpine and you know who knows i mean bernardo in his time at ferrari when you look at all of his um all his time there great when it came to the the engine and the power unit side all the technical stuff do they need that they also need someone who's going to be a firm leader, not like Otmar, because, you know, Otmar does come across as a bit of a pushover at times. And, you know, to make comments like, oh, you know, Oscar Piastri is, um, he's got no integrity. Come on, mate. You know, it's it's Alpine and, and Breno and your brand that's got no integrity for the way they treated not only Piastri at that time, but Alonso as well, who was keen to stick around long-term, but they're like, no, no, you're old. We'll give you a two-year or not even a two-year deal. We'll give you a one-year deal. And he's like, well, bugger that. I'm off to Aston Martin. They give me more money. And also uh, they believe that I can actually deliver results. And he did earlier this year. And now Piastri is delivering for McLaren. So I wonder how they feel about that. Uh, yeah, um, I, I've got to be honest, that was pretty, that was so well put. Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, well done, Jared. That was, uh, that was one, one heck of a, heck of a monologue. And if you want to hear more from Jared, don't forget, hit the Apex podcast. I think we should, I think we should do, I think we should do an episode just talking about Alpine anyway. But, you know, I, I, I do agree with what you said. And I think it's right that, that we go in on them because, you know, how many five-year plans can they have? But, um, <laughs> in somewhat a fate of somewhat somewhat irony. Next we're gonna talk about Aston Martin. So where Otmar came from and where they uh where they managed to annoy uh Fernando Alonso to go to. So both Aston's got into Q3. Um this is for you, Aaron, by the way, I, sh- I should say. Um both Aston's <laughs> both Aston's got into into Q3. Uh P9 and P10, you know, they were ultimately well, you know, well, mind you, you know, even Leclerc was eight tenths off Max, as we'll get into in a bit. Um, so you know, so if we if we look if we look at Leclerc, who did a one forty six nine, uh, Fernando was still a good nine tenths off that, and Stroll was a second slower than Alonso anyway. Um, Aston Martin seemed to have gone backwards a bit, and there were reports that it was because an upgrade has had an adverse effect, which is quite funny um, on the car. And I, I know you'll find it amusing. 
Um, but um, but yeah, they they kind of shot themselves in the foot, stated, but you know, I suppose you could say, um, you know, taking a long time to change from inches to slicks. Where have we seen that before? But the, but the other way around, um, and yeah, they, they, they kind of ruined you know any potential opportunity for themselves. Do you think they'll hold on to double points on Sunday, or do you think Stroll will do Stroll things and you know just be lame? Well, they've got to watch out because as much as Alpine are a bit of a basket case, and it's very difficult to follow Joe out there. So <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, They've got to watch out for Alpha Tauri. Yuki Snowda looked quick today. Alpine are probably uh, okay in the race if they can get through the first lap. Um, yeah, Aston's progress has really stalled out. And it's it's kind of good that McLaren have come through and sort of made that jump to the front as well. And they're the new exciting thing at the front of the grid that's not Ferrari, Mercedes or Red Bull. So for Fernando, I don't know whether he'll tolerate this. We know what he's like. He'll probably be doing a charm offensive to get everything sorted out behind the scenes. And it's disappointing mostly because they had a car and they had the wind tunnel time to really take that game, to take that, take the car forward and take the game away from Ferrari and Mercedes in that respect. And maybe even take the fight later this season to Red Bull. But they just haven't seemed to have done it. And if what you say is correct, that an upgrade has had a like an adverse effect and like upset the balance of the car, then that 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 is possible because we saw it happen with Ferrari in 2018, although there was other mitigating factors for them that year. Aston have got a big problem now in the fact that the car isn't performing as well as it was, so they're not scoring as many points with Alonso as they did before. And Lance is sort of around the same area he was before, but he's a second slower than Alonso. And Lance Stroll has a pole position in changeable conditions. That's really, I'm really surprised about that. I know Alonso's a great driver, but I wouldn't expect Stroll to be a, a second off of him in the same car on the same circuit at the same time. It, yeah, I think Lance has got a lot to answer for at the moment in terms of his performances. And, uh, you know, Fernando, yeah, he won't appreciate seeing McLaren zip by and start taking podiums. And, and beating Aston Martin almost from nowhere, really. Yeah, and uh, yeah, in, in, a, in a very cool, very cruel twist of fate, obviously Honda Power going to Aston Martin in 2026. Um, oh boy, if that engine doesn't deliver, we are in for round two, ladies and gentlemen. That is going to be, uh, yeah, buckle yourselves in. But... Um, uh, where have my notes gone? They have disappeared. So if we just we're just looking a bit ahead, um, uh, I'm going to condense this a little bit now because I had split out the top three. Um, but Aaron, you might not get another team to talk about. So sorry. Um, I know. I know. I'm sorry. And I gave you Aston Martin and Williams. So, you know, it's like double pain. Um Phil Mercedes. So after you know, after, after what you know, you know, see the the highs of last week, you know, with Hamilton getting yet another record pole position, you know, more than more than one wave it being a record pole position. Um, he surprised everybody a bit by putting that Merc P4 when his teammate is is only P8. Mind you, that's an improvement on P18, I suppose you could say. Um, 
you know, we've seen time and time again just how good Hamilton is in the wet, and you know he's proved it once again today. Do you think he can? You know, he'll be starting P three because you know, I haven't actually mentioned it, but you know, I should have mentioned it. Max, as I think a lot of you know, will um, has a five place grid penalty for a new gearbox. He'll be starting P six. So, um, so Hamilton will be starting P three. Uh, he'll be on the. I think he'll be on the clean side of the clean side yeah thank you yeah i thought so be on the clean side of of the grid could we see hamilton leading coming out of the source you know because if leclerc perhaps moves to cover off checker or checker has a bad start maybe maybe seeing p2 just have a have a little look yep i mean he's as long as he actually is awake uh compared to last week it's already going to be a better start um and if he does i mean it's going to be a very intriguing start with the fact that you're going to have leclerc you're going to have uh, and sergio perez up there too so possibility of having a chance in turn one going up through Eau rouge is great uh the notion that he'll have the lead after Eau rouge is probably not very high um but to get it in the fourth place considering the downforce arrow limitations they seem to have um and even with the upgrades they brought is uh solid uh we'll see what they can do in terms of race pace i'm curious as to what they will do with race pace tomorrow but um alcohol for your teammate by tents is always a great thing uh he's been doing like unlike last year where it seemed like the the energies and everything were in the corner of george george was able to respond and do everything with the car while lewis struggled i think it's gone the other way this year where um lewis has been much better with it with the car and he's shown it with some of these results and getting a pole and uh stuff like that so if it continues to be a mixed weekend with weather you can never count them out but those limitations with the car are gonna be more pronounced especially going down some of the long straights that uh spa has uh but to get a fourth place qualifying run third net third is a good thing for mercedes considering their circumstances yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, it, it, you made a good point when you said they are a bit aero limited, and they do seem to be a bit more draggy. So it might benefit them in the middle sector tomorrow. You know, and the Merck is pretty good on race pace. So I'll, uh, you know, I I I, th- I think you know, I I certainly think you know, Hamilton will have a good chance tomorrow, and he loves the circuit anyway. So, but um, uh, Jared, uh, McLaren. So, you know, it's um. If it a couple of weeks ago, I felt a bit odd to be talked about them this this late in the show because I think we could go from bottom to top. <laughs> now it's become the norm. So, do you think they'll be a bit disappointed with getting P six and P seven, which is actually going to be P five and P seven? Uh, Piastri out qualifying Norris. Um, Norris did have a couple of issues um, in Q one. Only just made it through. But Piastri, for a split second, I thought was going to go onto provisional pole. Ultimately, didn't quite happen. Bit disappointing because I really wanted to see that. Um, but are McLaren back? 
Yeah, like you said, Tom, um, like you, I was certainly hoping in, from what we saw in Q2 that uh, Oscar could be in a shout for pole position. And, you know, immediately it was like, wow, this is uh, a leg up on on Ricardo last year because how many times did we see uh, him out-qualify Norris? But, yeah, I feel like, you know, they probably on the outside won't say that they're disappointed, but internally they will be disappointed that they were. I think it was like, what was the gap ultimately from pole to where they were? It was it was huge because it was, you know, eight tenths of a second between the pole sitter and second place. So, yeah, you know, they'd be a bit confused about that. I think as well because it wasn't until Q3, if I'm correct, that they enabled DRS as well because of the changeable conditions. So I feel like they probably benefited. Um, I might be wrong here. They might have benefited when there was no DRS and they were setting those quick times in Q2. But look, I have a feeling that, you know, because it's going to be a lot cooler on um, Sunday, hopefully it's going to be dry as well. McLaren, as we've seen over the last two races, in different conditions have been able to switch on their tires, no matter which tire it is, no matter what temperature it is. I feel like given that the Ferraris are so sensitive to anything, it's almost a surprise that they found conditions this weekend that actually suited them uh, in qualifying. Um, but the race will be a different story. And I'm sure you guys will talk more about that later that, yeah, we might see McLaren benefit come race day, but you know, we'll see, we'll see tomorrow as well in the sprint, but you know, again, it's, it's, it's almost nosebleed territory compared to where they were a few races ago when we would be talking about them at the start of the show as opposed to the end. Yeah, you know, you know, they've they've definitely worked their way back up the grid in spectacular style. Um, you know, it's to the point where if it was, you know, if they made that progress in a digital game, they'd probably get accused of cheating. Um who knows? Maybe they spent too much on the Caitlin budget. I guess we'll find out later in the year, you know, because apparently some other teams now rumored, but that's all that's all hogwash until anything's confirmed. Um Aaron, I'm gonna renege on what I said earlier, and you know, looking at the time, we do have enough time to talk about the top three separately. Unfortunately, for now, you get Carlos Sainz, who the only note I've got next to him is starts P4. He qualified P5 on the road, but thanks to uh, Max's engine, uh, sorry, gearbox penalty, he starts P4. He's kind of stuck in no man's land a bit. You know, he's, he's been quicker than Leclerc in the last few races. Um, you know, the last weekend out in Hungary, obviously, he started on the soft and then was, then had to sit behind Leclerc, burning up those softs. Do you think we can see more of the same this weekend whilst, whilst Ferrari sort of give him a, a sort of like charcuterie board of strategy options? Uh, well, I feel a bit sorry for Carlos Sainz because he was actually only a couple of tenths slower than his teammate who's ended up on pole position. And within that couple of tenths, you've managed to squeeze a Red Bull and a Mercedes. So you can feel a little bit hard done by there because a couple of tenths off, his, off of Leclerc isn't a huge amount of deficit. And that's kind of where you'd probably expect Carlos to be. And uh, it's cost him two, what, three positions on the grid. So... A little bit rough on him, and he, he had some speed, but the Ferrari power unit's quick down the straights, and it's got a lot of grunt. So uh, maybe he's the one to watch out for in the uh, run down to Lecon on Sunday afternoon. And uh, yeah, he's kind of where where we'd expect him to be. 
As to what strategy they'll give him, who even knows what strategy Ferrari are going to come out with next? Let's be honest. Um, it's you know they, they better start checking for their strategies now and, and formulating everything from from Friday afternoon. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he's been outperformed by his teammate, um, but then everyone was outperformed by Verstappen quite comprehensively. So uh, he's in the mix. Yeah, it's not it's not too bad at qualifying for Carlos. Yeah, he's um he's he's sort of just going up, going about his business at the minute. That sounds so wrong. Uh, let me rephrase that. He's he's going about doing the job he needs to do. That sounds a bit better. There's another one for the clip channel, Aiden. Um, but Phil Checo P3, you know, given he's been out to QT more than he has recently, he'll start on the front road tomorrow. He's got the inside line up to La Source, but obviously dirty side of the grid. Blah blah blah. Um, We've seen a little bit of resurgence from him, you could say. Uh, you know, he, he he was making waves last week in, in Hungary, you know, was voted driver of the day. Um, do you think there's the sort of, you know, just seeing Danny Rick get into that Alfred Sarri and basically hit the ground running? I don't want to speculate, but do you think that's sort of giving him a bit of a kick at the proverbial and he's gone, oh, hang on a minute, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I, I need to get, you know, I need to get a move on kind of thing? I think that's happened for both him and Yuki Sonoda personally, Tom, because uh, I really, for all the pace that Yuki Sonoda has and speed or whatever, I, I think he's taken a step forward uh, too. So it must be a good uh, swift kick for both of them. Uh, for Checo, you know, if you just give him something that's reasonable, you give him a reasonable car. The guy is a top five. He'll get top fives, no problem. And legitimately, that's really all you need. Uh, I know he wants to finish second in the Drivers' Championship again. Uh, he had hopes earlier in the year when he had won those two races for more, but that was never going to happen. Getting this qualifying run is is a good thing for him and a good momentum builder into the rest of the weekend. We'll see what he can do in the second, um, in the the Saturday in sprints and all, and the sprint qualifying. But he has a chance on Sunday. Um, if he can get a really good start, you never know. He could run off, um, you know, minus a, a full safety car. He could run off with the deal um, because of the pace of the car. So uh, good on Checo, good on that side of the garage for them. And um, if it took Danny Rick for him to wake up, it's one thing. I, I, I mean, he's a good enough driver that he could, he knows he can do that. I think other things were in play, but now they're like, well, let's switch the car on. Let's give him what he needs so that he can, he doesn't look like, uh, you know, whatever, but just a F3 driver or something or whatever, somebody who's like out of sorts. So um, credit to him and we'll see what he does on Sunday. In the start, I think that'll definitely be the key um, for what happens with the rest of his race, of course. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's um, you know, it, it is nice to see Checo doing well because I, I I do like the guy, um, but you know, you've got to have a bit of an edge about you in in F one, especially when you're in that Red Bull environment. But uh, Jared uh, Leclerc, obviously, you qualified P two, but we'll start from P one tomorrow. This is four years since his first win, where obviously, you know, it's a very sad weekend of 2019. Um, 
you know, he, he's gone well round here in the past, you know, even when he was in that dog of a Ferrari in 2021. Um, well, 2020, really, 2021 wasn't much better. Um, do, do you think he can, you know, certainly hold off Checo and you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe the likes of his teammate and, you know, you know Hamilton and so behind him? And then ultimately, you know, let's be fair, Max is going to be romping through that field. You know, there are only five cars anyway. Um, do you think he's even got a sniff of, of getting a victory or do you think it's over by about lap four? Uh, he, probably not as early as lap four, but I don't think he's in a sniff of the victory. That car, just in terms of its race pace, it's it, it's hard to say. And I feel like they'd be lucky to walk away with a podium. I'm sure he'll, you know, agitate um Perez for a little bit but you know that Red Bull is much quicker Hamilton I'm sure will find a way past as well so yeah and I don't think Sainz is going to be let past because let's you know go back over the last couple of races and see any time that Sainz has come up behind Leclerc and has asked to be let go because he's quicker the team have pretty much ignored him or um you know said no nah, we're not going to let you pass so you know Leclerc will be the lead Ferrari but I don't feel like he's going to be in a shot in for a shot of the win um and like I said earlier I feel like you know McLaren in terms of their race pace could be better as well and it's difficult to say given that you know practice there was no representative running on dry tires and we expect Sunday to be dry so yeah I feel like it's going to be a, a day of pain for for Ferrari so you know they can lap up the the joy and the jubilation of um, starting where they will be now but I don't think it's going to last come Sunday uh, no, and uh, you know, and the the man who is likely going to take that, you know, you know, you know, um, hopefully, nothing, you know, I, you know, obviously, I'm going to match Man United. Say, hopefully, nothing happens. Um, you know, I, I think it is inevitable. Uh, Aaron, you know, Max, he he, he put his car uh, P1 on the road. It looked like quality was going to be close, and he then put an eight tenths gap between him and and Leclerc. Um, he's he's going to start P6. What lap is he going to take the lead on? And will it be single figures? Lap one. <laughs> uh, no, I'm being facetious there. I mean, it probably won't take him very long. The only hope everybody else has is if he's collected in an incident on lap one at La Source or at Lecom because they're two big breaking points. I mean, we've seen cars be skittled at La Source, uh, just think 2012. Uh, Hulkenberg went for a ride in 2018 uh, as well. So, uh, oh, sorry, it was Alonso, wasn't he? He's sent flying over the, the Salba. So um, it's it's a dangerous area of the grid to start. I mean, we saw that last weekend with the two Alpines. They got collected in an incident that was no fault of their own. The way Max drives... Sometimes you think he'll be fine. Sometimes you're like, ah, he might just be the, the cause of this. But he knows he's got the pace. He'll know that if, as long as he gets through the first lap cleanly, he'll probably reach the front of the, the field in pretty short order. And he doesn't need to take any risks, really. He was fortunate to get through qualifying, into qualifying three today, because he wanted to do a different strategy in, in Q2. But his race engineer GP 
uh, sort of overruled him and Max wasn't happy about it. And we we heard that on the radio. He did apologise after he'd taken pole position. But if it hadn't been for his engineer, he might not have been in Q3 to take said pole position. Then, you know, he's starting right in the midfield. And that's that's really where it gets a bit dicey. But he showed last year he can work his way through there, no problem at all. So it probably is just a case of what lap is he going to get into the lead and then just disappear from everybody. Everybody else is just in a race for a podium uh, and crossing their fingers that some form of bad luck befalls him. I mean, without wanting to wish ill fortune on the guy, and I'm not. I, you can see from my background over here that I'm not really a Max Verstappen fan. You don't. You don't want things to befall him that are negative. But from an entertainment point of view, him getting a puncture on lap one and seeing how much he can come back through the field would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? Seeing everybody else can still beat him, or if he can just catch them up anyway. So uh, I think that's what everyone else would be hoping for. You know, something to to fall his way in terms of bad luck, so that. He can't win for the eighth race in a row. Yeah, you know, as much as I like Max, you know, part of me, part of me was thinking, oh, if he does go out in Q two, it will spice it up a bit. But no, he has done what he has done so well this year. But chaps, uh, just just to, just to sort of like round this out quickly, um, Phil, give me your Sunday podium and a bold prediction. Uh, we're stopping. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Checo and I'll say Oscar Piastri gets his, uh, first, uh, career podium. Finally, um, bold prediction. I keep on going with this bold prediction and I'm going to keep on doing it until it happens. Uh, that Logan Sargent will get a point. Manifesting. I like it. Jared, what's your podium and bold prediction for Sunday? Uh, let's go same as last time out in Hungary, but with Hamilton P2 and Lando P3. Uh, bold prediction is uh, both Ferraris get skittled at turn one. I don't even know if that's bold these days. Um, <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> uh, what's your podium and bold prediction, mate? Just on Jawas, is Bottas going to go bowling again? Oh, please now. <laughs> yes, let's get the Wii Sports uh, back up and running. <laughs> Love it. If anyone still owns a Wii. I don't know. Do kids these days know what a Wii is? Not not a Nintendo one. But, <laughs> but uh, go on then. What's, Aaron, what, what's your podium? Uh, Verstappen, Perez, Norris, and then bold prediction of Alpine will score points. It's a mad world where, where that's a bold prediction. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, Phil, like I mentioned at the start, you're from the Grip Strip podcast. Where can we find you? You can find us at, uh, you can find us basically where any, where you hear podcasts, anywhere you hear podcasts, you can find the Grip Strip podcast. You can find at Grip Strip pod on uh, what used to be Twitter. Um you can find me at Philip G. Matthew or PG Matthew 28 and my co-host Josh Huffine and JP Huffine. Um, we can find it on YouTube at uh, Gripster Podcast and uh, my website, philipgmatthew.com. Uh, if it goes fast, we usually talk about it on the Gripster Podcast. So uh, thanks, Tom. 
great work as always great being on with Aaron and Jawad. So we're uh, hopefully we'll get this one. We'll keep on going with this. Love being on the grid talk. Oh gosh, yeah, we're not going anywhere, Phil. Don't you worry. Um, Jared, your path hit the apex. Where are you? Yeah, so uh, I was going to say Twitter, but it's not Twitter anymore. The logo looks more like a porn site. Um, but yeah, you can find our account on. <laughs> you can find our account on that at Hit the Apex Media. There's a link tree as well. The podcast itself is on all good podcast platforms, and yeah, I write articles for a website called The Raw, and uh, here and there for F1 Chronicle too. And just echoing what Phil said. Great to be on the show. Um, great job as always, Tom and, and Aaron. So love Grid Talk and I'm wearing the Grid Talk top today as well. So, yeah, go out and get your Grid Talk merchandise, people. Yes, lovely. That caught me off guard then, Jared, i got to say, but thank you, mate. Um, Aaron, you're, you are, I say you're part of, you are AHGP. Um, are you on this X-rated website uh, as, well, as well as other places? <laughs> x-rated website god what is this descended into um yes i am it's at ahgp pod and you can find my personal twitter uh or whatever it is now uh aaron harper 41 where you'll see my work for f1 chronicle from time to time uh, i write for inside of two as well and i'm a, I'm a journalist as well with uh, a radio station in the south of england uh you can find ahgp pod everywhere you find a podcast and you can find it on youtube uh, I do loads of shorts on YouTube, so uh, drivers to watch, classic races, uh, a little bit of F123 content. I've downloaded F1, F1 Manager 23 today, so there'll be some more of that coming as well. Uh, and you can also get your Grid Talk coasters if we continue the theme of merchandise. So make sure you go onto the website to find those. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Aaron. Um, and yes, uh, yeah. Uh, I am, you know, I'm obviously one of the you know, one of the hosts here. Also, also panelists from time to time. If you want to find me personally, um, don't. Um, but if 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 you if you if you really do, uh, if you look at my hand on Instagram and that threads thing, I don't have Twitter or whatever it's called these days. Uh, my hand is at chungushumungus94. Uh, yes, that is real because my nickname is Big Chungus. But um, Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live, like this one, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search for Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to both qualifying and race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can, so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. Also, make sure you subscribe so you, you are the first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back soon uh, tomorrow, to be precise, with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much for listening to the Crypto Talk podcast presented by Bet Online, and goodbye. <laughs>